Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, it is wonderful to be able to bring you the word of the Lord this morning. Um, So out of reverence for the Lord, as you are able, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Um, We're going to be in John chapter 17 this morning, starting with verse 6 and going through 19, and I will be reading from the Common English Bible. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from this world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. This is because I gave them the words that you gave me, and they received them. They truly understood that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you gave me, because they are yours. Everything that is mine is yours, and everything that is yours is mine. I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And even as I'm coming to you, Holy Father, watch over them in your name, the name you gave me that you will be one just as we are one. When I was with them, I watched over them in your name, the name you gave to me, and I kept them safe. None of them were lost except for the one who was destined for destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. Now... I'm coming to you, and I say these things while I'm in the world, so that they can share completely in my joy. I gave your word to them, and the world hated them, because they don't belong to this world, just as I don't belong to this world. I'm not asking that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world, just as I don't belong to this world. Make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I made myself holy on their behalf, so that they also would be made holy in the truth. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, a little bit of a confession time here. Um, Kevin and I have been hooked on a few TV shows you know, that kind of get us dreaming and talking about the what if. You know, what if in the future we could do this? Or we find ourselves watching and saying, oh, we definitely got to do that. Or wouldn't it be really nice to be able to do that? Or here's the best one we say, we can do better than that. The ones that I'm talking about are those off-the-grid shows, those homesteading TV shows. Um, And you can usually find them on the Discovery Plus, I think is what we're watching right now. 
but it's the ones where they go off the grid completely away from everybody and they're using their hands and their resources um, and they're just kind of getting away from all the materialistic stuff. They want this really more simpler life and they prioritize what is really important to them, right? And they all have different motivations and there's all these different styles of what these homes look like that they go to build. You know, like there's the, the homestead rescue there's also the mountain, mountain Men and uh, Pioneer Quest. And the latest one we've been watching is um, something RV. What is that? RV. R RVing. I don't know. It talks about all these RVs. Um, but they draw us out of where we are at into something what seems less intrusive. But it's really, really hard work that they do. They really put it all in. Um, and I think what we really want is a place of refuge, right? A place to take us away from the busyness of what seems to be overwhelming us. And that's not a bad thing. And there is definitely a time for refuge. But I want you to hear this morning the importance of what Jesus says and he does in this passage. For the disciples, it would also be easy to disengage after Jesus departs how inviting it would be to retreat into their own little group, to recall their personal stories of Jesus and share within themselves. Not what Jesus really intended for them or for us by any means. The prayer in John 17 is noticed as the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in any of the Gospels. It is actually one of three here written in the book of John. The first at the tomb of Lazarus in 11, the second when the Greeks came seeking him in 12, and here, described by several commentators as Jesus' prayer of consecration. The consecration of Jesus and the consecration of the disciples. Now, it's also known that this prayer is referred to as Jesus' high priestly prayer. And we find that each of Jesus' prayers wasn't just spoken about by Jesus, but they were demonstrated by him. They were done in the presence of his disciples for their intercession with God, but also a revelation to those listening. I want to call this prayer the extravagant concerto Jesus prayer. It's as if we've been listening to a concerto of musical stories building up to this final moment over these last few weeks leading up to the finale of the Easter season. A concerto, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this term, is a large-scale composition for an orchestra with a soloist or a group of soloists, if you will. And the concerto, if you listen really closely, usually has a story or tells a particular story. And here, there's a story to each part of Jesus' messages that has been so elegantly told, each building up to the anticipation of the crescendo unfolding. And we're close to hearing that final bit of preparation and preparing the disciples during this Easter season. We need to remember that just a few days after this prayer, Jesus is up on the cross, and he's going to be buried in a tomb. And three days later after that, we know that he rises from the dead. 
And 40 days after that, 50 days later, he goes up to heaven and he'll not come back until the end of the age. This story unfolds ever so full and loud, concluding next week with the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit descends down upon the disciples and into the world. The story, the music has been in motion, and the prepping of the disciples has taken place. The plan is unfolding. Prayer is ongoing, and Jesus has consecrated himself to completing his mission with the provision of the promise to come. The promise. What promise? For them and for us today to continue to glorify God in his new creation to completion through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was about to depart to his father, all in making the wrong to right through his death and resurrection for the life of the world. And the beginning of his prayer starts from the beginning of 17, where Jesus prays for himself. He looks up to heaven, not with his head bowed down in quiet reflection, but he's speaking out to God in front of those close to him. He demonstrates, he shows them, the disciples, if you will, a little bit more proof by speaking to the Father in this manner at this time with them present. Glorify your Son, that your Son may be glorified, he says. Obedient, self-giving, self-sacrifice is the demonstration that Jesus shows here. The hour of his glorification was close in hand. The glory spoken about so many times in years of past of seeing God's glory was near. Compassion, grace, love, faithfulness was about to be revealed and not put to shame, but quite the opposite. The moment of Jesus giving himself reveals the truth about God keeping his word and honoring him for who he truly is. It was here for the disciples after Jesus' death to continue on after his ascension, just as it is for us to continue and complete the mission until the returning of Jesus. Paraphrasing this a bit, verses 6 and 8, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from this world. Okay, he's referring to those who receive and believe the words of Christ. Because I gave them the words you gave me, they understood and they came from you and they believed. God and Jesus are both extravagant givers, are they not? Giving themselves and their mutual gift of grace to those who belong to Jesus, who have inherited a life in which they are now seen to live. God, the Father and Son, are joined as one. As one does, so does the other. The disciples belonged and they believed in Jesus. And hearing Jesus pray and speak to the Father in this manner is reassurance that they belong. Belonging gives them ownership, confidence, and an essential purpose to what is to come. Now, we all want to feel as if we belong to something, right? It validates us as important, loved, and accepted people. 
And I can say, and I hope you feel loved here. And if not, I want to apologize to you on behalf of myself and the church because that is not intentional on our part because let me reassure you, you are truly loved. For as followers of Jesus, we belong. We belong to the kingdom of God. And knowing this, that we belong to Jesus is to know that we are an integral part. We are essential to the purpose. And like the disciples, we might not fully understand it. But we know that Father, the Father's name to be all is powerful, almighty, giving, gracious, loving, etc., etc. Now, Jesus does not leave anybody out of his prayers. Don't worry, because later in verse 20, you hear him pray for all others who come later. For those who hear the word of God and who believe what they have been told as well. But for now, we are looking at the piece of Jesus' prayer given to his disciples and all believers in every place and every age. Jesus' prayer is one out of love for his friends, knowing he's going to be gone and he's no longer going to be with us. And he reminds them of who they belong to, that provision of being cared for through good or bad, will, they will be provided for them to do the work and a promise of help that will carry them through. Verse 11 says, Holy Father, watch over them in your name, the name you gave me, that they will be one just as we are one. I want you to take note of Holy Father for a moment. The only time Jesus addresses God as Holy Father. Now, God has been addressed many times as holy throughout the entire Old Testament and the New but here we hear Jesus distinguishing and addressing him as the one true God who is wholly distinct from all created. Now remember the disciples, they are listening and they're watching. And by addressing God in this manner, he prepares the disciples to be set apart in unity with one another. It really draws their attention in. And he continues... Watch over them in your name, the name you gave me, that they will be one just as we are one. To be set apart as one in unity, as a community of believers, it means to be set apart for holy use on behalf of God. I'll repeat that, to be set apart for holy use on behalf of God. I consider that quite an honor, to be set apart the example of being different from the brokenness of God's created order. Look at 13. Jesus goes on to say, now I'm coming to you. The disciples needed to hear this now. It was important enough for Jesus to create that timeline for them, for them to see and know that the concerto of events is coming fast. The music is beginning to play louder which usually means that something is coming or something is about to happen. And as Jesus continues, so that they can share completely in my joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to find joy in knowing the hard stuff is going to be coming soon and tough. 
perhaps painful and not what I would call a day in the park. You know, it's not very relaxing. We don't necessarily look forward to it. And to be honest, this is where I want to go and retreat to escape and to get away and not to be a part of it. I just want to let it go. I've been reading on some different leadership styles and, and you know, learning as part of what I do. And I came across this story of a leadership manager help resource guide, if you will. And he has used this particular story of finding joy in what we do. And I thought this could be a beautiful image of what it looks like and describes perhaps what Jesus is finding and sharing in the joy. One day, a traveler walking along a lane came across three stone cutters working in a quarry. Each was busy cutting a block of stone. Interested to find out what they were working on, he asked the first stone cutter what he was doing. I am cutting stone. Still no wiser, the traveler turned to the second stone cutter and asked him what he was doing. I am cutting this block of stone to make sure that it's square and its dimensions are uniform so that it will fit exactly in the place in a wall. A bit closer to finding out what the stone cutters were working on, but still a little unclear. The traveler turned to the third stone cutter. He seemed to be the happiest of the three, and when he asked what he was doing, he replied, I am building a cathedral. He found joy in knowing the bigger picture of what was taking place and being a part of it. He more than likely would never see the completion of this cathedral, for honestly, it takes about 50 years for the ones that have been built. Um, that's been about the average time that it has taken. But the understanding of a legacy would live on, whether in the stone or a cathedral or the impact made by on other people brought him great joy. And I believe this is a small sample of the joy Jesus was feeling, that he felt knowing what the bigger picture of the mission was and passing that on to those who followed him. Jesus knew the importance of his sacrifice, what it would bring to the people. We live in this world of brokenness, messy, hurtful, selfish ambition, unjust accusations, and, and lack of love and respect. And we see the current events unfolding all around us. And we continue to walk through the devastation of illness and diseases. And this is where I want to say, let's go. Let's go build that house off the grid. But thanks be to God that he is glorified through victories won over opposition rather than through us standing on the premises while just sitting on the premises. He stands on the promises as we sit. By being followers of Jesus, they, the disciples, were going to be faced with accusations of unbelief, cynicism, hostility, persecution. They, too, were living in a world that was upside down and, and full of brokenness. But those disciples wanted to leave as well, I can imagine, ready to just go, 
not be a part of it. But Jesus, he prays. I'm not asking that you take them out of this world, God, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus' request for protection wasn't to keep them from the hurtful things, but that it would preserve the unity of the disciples and guard their hearts from hardening against God, to keep them from returning to the world that was broken and being lost in the midst of the hurt. Remember, this is not the world God created it to be. And it's easy to get all conjoined and connected into the latest things of this world, things that separate and divide us even amongst other Christians. And Jesus prayed for his followers, knowing that they would be challenged. There will be forces that try to divide the church and believers of Jesus. And the number of different wedges trying to break that in are countless. We hear briefly the mention of the one who was lost, referring to Judas. But let it be said that Jesus did not say he was destined to be the betrayer. It was his choices of action that determined his destiny, not the other way around. Our choices to remain in Jesus will empower us through those intersections of days that want to challenge us and to steer us away. Verse 12, when I was with them, Jesus says, I watched over them in your name, the name you gave to me, and I kept them safe. I don't think the disciples quite understood the impact of what all Jesus had been speaking to them about. But now was not the time to retreat to the hills and, and hide from the crazy world that they were living in. And we're talking about a pretty tight-knit group of disciples here. They not only needed the bigger picture, but they needed to be reminded of the assurance of the immediate bond of belonging to Jesus and him and the mission of the work that was still to come. Acts 1, the next book right here after John, emphasizes this as well throughout, but particularly in verse, chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This community of believers who belong to Jesus not only needed one another, they needed to be the ones to continue the mission, the work that was yet to be done. There's a, another set of TV shows I find um, myself connected to. Yes, I know I have a problem. Okay. <laughs> These are the ones that take those run-down homes and they reinvent them and they change them from the tired and the raggy homes to a new and vibrant place to live, you know. Something new, a new shape from something broken and run down. The homes that are left to rot and decay and become kind of this backdrop, you know, of, of brokenness. And the fixing of these homes, it reminds me of Jesus' work and his mission for us. To take what might be broken souls from this world and to bring them back into life. For us to rise and shine and share the glorious work of what Jesus has done in us. 
the story and the new concerto piece is being constructed as we speak. And this mission was and it's not complete. Jesus continues in his prayer, make them holy in the truth. Your version might say, sanctify them by the truth. Remember, to sanctify means to set apart for a special task. Something sacred is to be made holy. They were consecrated by the truth, set apart by the truth, which means that the church today as a community of faith should live in a creative tension in the world and not of it. We don't need to be afraid of that tension because of the Father's name, because of who the Father is and what the Father has given in love to Jesus. We can know ourselves are made holy and we can kept holy in the truth of the word. Jesus asked his father to extend his holiness to the disciples so that they might repeat and demonstrate that into the world. That is our work, to extend his holiness, repeat and demonstrate. To extend his holiness, to repeat and demonstrate. To extend his holiness, repeat and demonstrate it into the world. The orchestra is in its final constanza of the concerto and the expectation of those who are sanctified will bring glory to God. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus was sent as the living word from God and now they would be living and going forward to spread the word of God too. We are to be immersed into the world, to those who reject the word and to those who belong to him. Love as Jesus would. The bigger picture that Jesus had for his disciples was to continue his work as holy people, being different than what the world expects them to be or wanted them to be. We're not to flee or find a way to escape from this world. Retreat, relax, yes, but to participate in the mission of God's work, being the hands and feet of Jesus, loving others, bringing forth the kingdom of heaven here, being a transforming group of cathedral makers. We can stand with those who experience injustice, maybe not in large pieces, but every small piece of the brick matters in bringing the cathedral kingdom of God. Worship team, you'd come forward. The concerto piece has had many parts to this musical story. And as we come to the end of the Easter season, may we be reminded that God is an extravagant giver, that we belong and are our essential piece to the work that is laid before us. God protects us with a way to overcome evil and to keep our hearts from hardening from the things of this world. And he promises us that we will not do this alone. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. 
He will surely do it. Blessings to you today. You may go in peace. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.